Welcome to the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where every death had a life and every life had a story. My name is Jenny Johnson. Hello, and I'm Diane Hartshorn. And we are getting back into some normal episodes. It's been a while. (laughs) We had so many guests in October. Mm -hmm. I think just about every one of our episodes for last month was with a guest. Well, we had some really good episodes, though, so it's definitely worth it. Yes, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and actually, in f- we're, we're going to ruin the magic a little here, full disclosure. Normally, when Diane and I do this, we record generally the week of the episode that comes out, sometimes maybe a week ahead of time, but we don't usually go too far ahead. But for October, because we had all those guests lined up, we actually mm-hmm. recorded several episodes in one week because that's when our guests were actually available. But in the end, I think we were both glad we ended up doing it that way Thanks. with everything that was going on in October with Halloween and our cemetery events. Um, Obviously we did beyond the grave on the eighth and then the actors and myself did it again on the 30th here in Denver. So um, it was kind of nice having all the guests lined up and everything. And we just had to edit. (laughs) That was it. A little break. Yes. It was like, like I was telling you before, it's like "Ah, Monday night. I feel a little lost. So let's, let's get back to doing this again. Yes. So now we're back in, in our normal recording time frame and everything. Um, so welcome back. It's November. So Halloween is over, but we're still in fall. My favorite season, although it's cold today here. Like, yeah, it's very cold. I and damp. Like you said, it was, it tried mm-hmm. to snow yesterday up here, but uh-huh. it was like those snow pellets. It wasn't like, Oh snow. yeah. Kind of spit, but then it didn't do anything else. But it's just, it's it's just that cold. Bone chilling with yes. the dampness that we usually don't have because it's so dry here. But yeah, it. But today was the day I was like sweater, scarf, boots, mm-hmm. the whole thing, so that I wouldn't freeze all day. But that's yeah. okay. I'm okay, he go outside. He he wanted to go outside so bad, and I opened the door, and I'm like, okay, you go, and he's like, nope. Well, I'm hoping it'll be just a little bit warmer later in the week so we can tear down the Halloween stuff out front and bring, yeah. you know, bring the skeletons in, put them away till next year. You can always dress them like pilgrims. <laughs> well, they are already in pretty much in black. I just add some white trim in the hats. It, it yeah. could be perfect. <laughs> I don't um, know what your neighbors would say, but yeah. I don't know. Well, we finally met our new neighbors that are directly across the street on Halloween night. He came over and introduced himself. They've only oh, been cool. there for a couple months and they're as into Halloween as we are. So that was great. Awesome. And he was super excited about having trick-or-treaters. So <laughs> it was like, yay. Um, but before we get into today's episode, we have to pick the winner yes. of our giveaway that we announced way back at the beginning of October when we were doing our one-year anniversary episode. So as a recap, it's almost been a month. And we said way back in October, it's like, I oh know. yeah, it was the eighth. This is already was, the second. Oh my goodness. I know it's crazy. The month just flew by, but we did announce it. And then we had it posted to Facebook. So in order to enter the drawing, you had to either go on Facebook or Instagram. We had it in both places um, and tell us what your favorite episode was or has been so far to date. So we had several people on both uh, Instagram and Facebook that came and told us, and it's fun. I always love when we do this because we get so many different answers. People like hearing all the different things we do. So it makes me glad that we do all the different episodes, but as a recap of what we're giving away, 
It's a copy of the book Corpses, Coffins, and Crypts, A History of Burial by Penny Coleman, a wooden bookmark from the bookish den that has a, it's got a cemetery carved into it, a five by seven print of Sleepy Hollow Cemetery and the Headless Horseman by Ristus Art World or Ristus Art World. I'm not sure which way it's pronounced if you're listening and I butchered it. I'm so sorry. Let us know. A cemetery in fall from the Cat's Meow Salem collection. And it's a little wooden uh, tree with the cemetery and a little black cat that if you have a Halloween village, or even if you don't, it makes a great decoration. And the Sleepy Hollow Candle from Witch City Wicks in Salem, Massachusetts. So that's the entire prize package. That's a pretty good package. It's awesome. It's been sitting on my dresser all month, just waiting for me to do the drawing. So I have everybody here in the cup. We're going to pull a name. And our winner is, if I can unfold it, from Instagram, My Cemetery Friends. So that's the Instagram name. So I will contact you and let you know that you have won and get your information. And we will get that package sent out to you. So congratulations. And um, if you didn't win this time, don't worry. There will be more giveaways in the future. We do them every so often just because it's fun to do a giveaway. Just because it really is just, I mean, this one was because it was our anniversary. Um, We've been on the air for a year now, but we will do more in the future. (laughs) So now that we're getting back into our regular format again, uh, we are going to share a news story with you this week. So this week's news story comes to us from News 10 in Brunswick, New York. Once a year, Brunswick's Forest Park Cemetery is open for public tours, and that's one day a year, with the aim being to share the history of the Victorian Cemetery and some of its permanent residents and to put to rest the rumors of hauntings and horror. The poor cemetery has suffered from much neglect and vandalism, but there are those in the community seeking to save the cemetery and its reputation. 15th annual walking tour took place on Saturday, October 23rd. According to those in charge, the tour is not held in October because of spooky season, but rather because October is American Archives Month and town historian Sharon Zankel wants people to connect to the importance of written records showing the history of Forest Park Cemetery. However, she will be the first to admit there are always people on the tours who will share stories of visiting the cemetery as teens in the middle of the night and being creeped out. Rumors of a haunted history may have plagued Forest Park Cemetery for decades, but it was founded in 1897 with the basic human desire to make money. There was a time in the 1800s when there were cemetery syndicates that went out into communities and would pull together a group of businessmen to invest in the creation of a cemetery as a moneymaker, explained Zankel. So we had a group of men with no experience as undertakers, park operators, certainly not as cemetery operators, and they thought this would be a good idea. They weren't good businessmen either, it turned out. After spending $75,000 on 200 acres of land, and $50,000 on an impressive marble and granite receiving tomb, the corporation went bankrupt in 1913. So did the second group that sold all but 22 acres to what would be the country club of Troy. Zinkel tells News 10, over time, some of the people who had purchased stock, some were prominent families from Troy, the Sage family, for example, would say, good luck, guys, keep the stock. We don't want our burial plots there. 
Well, I can understand that. Uh-huh. Um, over time, the cemetery was abandoned, left to grow wild and open to those whose idea of a good time had little to do with respecting the dead. Statues were broken, headstones toppled, and trash collected among the tombs. Sometime in the 1970s, Life magazine listed Forest Park Cemetery as one of the top 10 most haunted places in the country. This led to curiosity seekers who often caused further damage, whether they meant to or not. There is even a YouTube video of some wandering through it late at night, perpetuating the stories of folks. Of course, an abandoned cemetery does lend itself to the creepy atmosphere of ghostly stories and urban legends. It's no wonder so many people have been tempted to explore both in sunshine and moonlight. The town of Brunswick took over the cemetery in 1990 as required by state law for abandoned incorporated cemeteries. Since that time, there are many who have been working to clean it up, repair the damage, and make it a true final resting place. Historians have been working to document the stories of those buried there. The true stories eclipse any of the rumors attached to Forest Park. Zankel notes many of the urban legends are the same ones she heard growing up in Orange County, like the taxi driver whose passenger disappears before he arrives at her destination near the cemetery, only to discover that the young woman had died and is buried in the cemetery. The locations are just changed to match the different communities where they're told. Each October, cemetery gets many calls from paranormal researchers asking permission to investigate the cemetery. They are always told no. Those in charge now would like the cemetery to be a place of peace, not a place of terror. They want those buried there to be allowed to rest in peace. Families with loved ones can arrange a visit at any time. The once a year public tour helps fund the restoration of Forest Park. Nearly 70 headstones have been reset today. That's good news. Which is awesome. Mm -hmm. As Lydia Kobaida, the author and reporter of the article from News 10, wrote, cemeteries are more than rows of headstones. For anyone who has buried a loved one, they are places to remember their stories, their death, a part of our lives that doesn't need a ghost story intruding on the memories shared. So I just thought we had shared that, even though it was talking about mm -hmm. ghost stories, and I'm pretty sure the story came out right before Halloween, just because somebody is working to restore this cemetery and make it a real cemetery again and not a creepy right, one. Exactly. So folks, if you're out there and you yeah. have an abandoned cemetery near you, do what you can to help it. Don't make it worse. <laughs> That's my big thing is this poor cemetery spent years being vandalized right. and sounds like mm -hmm. it was like a hangout and, you know, everything but a cemetery for a long time. So I just thought right, we would share exactly. that before we get into our actual episode today. So to, for today's episode, somehow when November 1st hits anymore, I feel like many folks move right on into the merriment of the Christmas holidays and winter, but in my world, at least it is still autumn. I have been, I, I had to, the other night, it was like just after midnight on Halloween. So November 1st. And I saw my first Christmas ad and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm so not ready for Christmas. No, it's not even, where's Thanksgiving? I know, we, we skipped. Um, so I have been fortunate enough to visit many cemeteries in autumn in New England and thought it would be nice to tell the story of one of the prettiest ones, in my opinion, and that is Elm Grove Cemetery in Mystic, Connecticut, which 
If you look up the address, it's actually Stonington, Connecticut, and Mystic, which they're right together. So um, when I was researching it, sometimes it was said Mystic in certain things and something said Stonington. I'm just going to put both of them out there in case anybody needs to correct me. <laughs> According to Elm Grove Cemetery, uh, Elm Grove Cemetery Association is a nonprofit association which was established January 17th, 1853. Wow, that's an old nonprofit. Mm -hmm. The 150 plus year old cemetery contains over 13,000 interments. Part of the rural cemetery movement of the mid 19th century. Elm Grove represents the Victorian approach to eternal rest in a park setting of rolling hills, brooks, and trees, showcasing ornate sepulchers decorated with flowers, willow trees, crowns, and trumpeting figures. One of the most charming aspects of the cemetery is that it overlooks the Mystic River. It is a truly magnificent setting both for the dead and the living. In 19th century America, a favorite spot for a Sunday afternoon outing was the local cemetery. Mystic residents spent many leisure time hours strolling among the trees and sepulchers in Elm Grove Cemetery. The entrance to Elm Grove is marked by a large stone archway with the words, I am the resurrection and the life carved over the center arch. The archway was erected in 1892 after Mrs. Eunice Mallory donated funds for its construction in honor of her late husband, Charles Henry Mallory. Mr. Mallory had been one of the six original trustees of the Elm Grove Cemetery Association. In order for the archway to be built, it was necessary to remove two large and stately elm trees that had been the original markers to the entrance of the cemetery. Lot owners and village residents were outraged and efforts were made to stop the removal of the trees. In an editorial entitled, Woodmen Spare That Tree, the Mystic Press condemned the demolition, stating that the erection of any work of man's hands, however artistic, would poorly atone for the undoing of a half century or more of nature's grand handiwork. I really like that quote. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> In the end, however, architect B.W. Allen won out and the trees were removed. Westerly Granite Company, using several stone cutters imported from Italy, began construction of the Memorial Arch. The completed gateway, which still marks the entrance to the cemetery, spans 54 feet, is 32 feet high, and measures 6 feet thick. The edifice consists of three arches, each with double wrought iron gates. The main archway, which serves as a driveway, is 20 feet wide, by 22 feet high. The main archway is flanked by smaller arches, six feet wide and 10 feet high, for pedestrians to use. The Mallory family left a trust fund whose interest still pays for the upkeep of the stone wall and the memorial art, as well as the opening and closing of the Iron Gateway each day. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's what I thought too. While the famed Mount Auburn is the inspiration for the park setting of the cemetery, its landscaper, a Mr. N.B. Schubarth of New York, planned the layout of the cemetery to mimic the shape of an elm tree. Commencing at the gate, winding along the outskirts of the grounds, and returning again to the gate. All other avenues measured 18 feet wide, except for Cherry, which is only 16, and Beach, which is 10 feet. All paths were 6 feet wide, and a 2-foot border was set off between avenues, paths, and lots to plant trees, shrubs, and flowers. A one-foot space separated individual lots. 
and a six foot high fence of yellow pine pickets with stone posts enclosed the cemetery grounds. By vote of the trustees, the cemetery was open to the public from dawn to dusk. On Tuesday, July 11, 1854, formal ceremonies dedicating the grounds of the Elm Grove Cemetery Association were held. Addresses by several clergymen marked the occasion with music provided by the Mystic Hornet Band. The cemetery is full of monuments alluding to Victorians, Victorians' love of symbolism, although there are many monuments that pay direct homage to the deceased's life. For example, as Mystic is a seaport community, there are many anchors representing the captains and sailors who made their living on the water. You will also find Victorian women in flowing robes, monuments of weeping willows, urns, and obelisks. One thing you will not find in the cemetery, however, are iron fences. Elm Grove's trustees banned fencing within the cemetery, feeling it detracted from the park-like atmosphere. Granite curbing, which added ornamentation without impeding strollers, was allowed with association approval. The exception to this rule are the lots of Elias Brown, which are set apart by a three-foot-high split-rail fence of stone and cast iron. So that's the only one you're going to find in that cemetery. By the mid-1880s, Elm Grove had nearly 2,000 internments. In 1885, the trustees were directed to buy more acreage of land north of the cemetery entrance. In 1894, they expanded to the north and south, purchasing a section of land known as the Rope Walk from the heirs of George Greenman for $810 and a tract from Don Tapcock for $1,100. Further expansion to the north was made in the 1930s. In 1897, a landing was built on the west side of the cemetery to accommodate visitors coming by boat. Marble benches were set among the trees and along the river, inviting people to roam through Elm Grove enjoying its trees and viewing the magnificent flower beds planted near the memorial perch. It truly is spectacular. Even though this is a Victorian cemetery, there is a section with many colonial era headstones, those featuring skulls and crossbones, soul effigies, and the like. These are stones marking the graves of many who lived in the area during the colonial era and whose families had their graves relocated to Elm Grove later on. In fact, one of the most visited graves in the cemetery is that of Lady Anne Boradell Dennison, who died in 1712. Another family whose name populates the cemetery is the Greenman family. The Greenman were three brothers, George, Clark, and Thomas, who moved to Mystic in the 1840s and made their fortunes as shipbuilders, manufacturers, and men of commerce. The three brothers had served their shipbuilding apprenticeships under their father in nearby westerly Rhode Island in the 1820s. As the local demand for small fishing and trading vessels increased, they joined their older brother Silas as journeyman at his shipyard near the end of the Mystic River, about two miles upstream from here. After Silas returned to Westerly in 1834 to establish a yard there, George continued to work as an itinerant builder locally while Clark and Thomas traveled to South America. In 1836, aboard a vessel commanded by Captain Joseph W. Spencer to build a river steamer for mystic entrepreneur Silas E. Burroughs. 
When they returned, the three brothers established their own shipyard in 1837, purchasing 12 acres of land at the bend of the Mystic River, land with enough slope to launch a vessel and with clear access to deep water. Like the majority of American shipbuilders, the Greenmans began their yard by supplying the local need for vessels. The depression following the panic of 1837 may have limited their options, yet their output was entirely typical of the many small shipyards whose scale and volume of work was determined by their local maritime economy. In Mystic, that was fishing and coastal shipping. If it were not for their personal drive and fortunate circumstances, the Greenmans, like some of their contemporaries downriver in Noanoke, might have remained small local businessmen whose success would have depended on the local economy. But in the early 1840s, they were able to enter a larger market. Thomas's and Clark's association with Captain Spencer during their expedition to South America paid off five years later when Spencer encouraged his employers, E.D. Hurlburt and Company of New York, formerly like Spencer from the Connecticut River Valley, to commission the Greenmans to build a large ocean trading ship. Then other New York shipping agents offered shipbuilding commissions, and in 1851, the Greenmans launched the large ship Caroline Tucker for New York merchant John A. McGraw, establishing a relationship that would last for almost 20 years. They continued to produce small fishing and coasting vessels for the local market as well. The very early screw-propelled steamboat Florida of 1844 suggests their willingness to be innovative. It was thanks to the Greenman family that perpetual care began in Elm Grove in 1875. It started by donating $300, income from which was earmarked for upkeep of their lots. In ensuing years, many families left money to ensure maintenance of their grave sites. One of the more elaborate structures to grace the cemetery is Elm Grove's Mortuary Chapel, a gift from Mr. and Mrs. Edward S. Harkness, in memory of their parents and grandparents, Thomas Stillman Greenman and Charlotte Rogers Greenman. It was built of brick and marble in 1911. Mary Harkness and her sister, Miss Stillman, presided at the ceremony of laying the cornerstone for the chapel in September of 1911. Using a silver trowel presented to her by the trustees and inscribed with the date of the occasion, Mrs. Harkness sealed a box of memorabilia inside the cornerstone. Included in its contents were several U.S. stamps, a $5 gold piece, silver, paper and half dollars, quarter, 10, five, and three cent pieces, pennies from 1853 and 1911, pictures of the trustees and the superintendent, a program from the dedication of the Memorial Arch in 1895, weekly and daily papers, a brief history of the association, a silk flag presented by the Fanny Ledyard Chapter DAR, along with the chapter's bylaws, and the names of the chapel's architect and builders. Although rarely used today, the brick and marble building has been the scene of many religious services, including at least one wedding. We can't talk about Elm Grove without talking about one of the cemetery's most beloved caretakers, Henry Schroeder. Mr. Schroeder was the backbone of Elm Grove, serving as its groundkeeper for over 50 years until his death in 1923. Trustees in many pages of the association's minutes recorded Schroeder's devotion and hard work. A landscaper and horticulturalist, Schroeder was responsible for many of the unusual trees and shrubbery within the cemetery walls, including the weeping copper peaches and weeping white birches. Oh, those sound, those sound lovely. 
mean, I can't mm-hmm. say that it sounds lovely. Longevity of Schroeder's landscaping is evident by the many ancient trees adorning the property. The only deterrent to his handiwork was the 1938 hurricane, which destroyed nearly half of the cemetery's trees. The trustees showed their appreciation to Schroeder in many ways through the years. In 1891, they gave him cemetery lot 981 for faithful service. He and his family are laid to rest on the site overlooking the lily pond and its four-tiered fountain erected in 1909 with funds donated by J.E. of New York, formerly of Mystic. In 1916, the association presented Schroeder with an old-headed ebony cane for 49 years of service. The following year, the board marked 50th anniversary by bringing $100 in gold to the superintendent's house because he was too ill to attend the annual meeting. And the superintendent's house is still right there on the cemetery grounds, and I think they still actually use it as for that purpose. So I think they still live there. That's cool. And that's cool that he was so um, acknowledged for his hard yes. work. Yeah, because that's a lot of hard work every day, all day long. But yeah. he did it. We hope you have enjoyed visiting Elm Grove Cemetery in Mystic, Connecticut with us today. It is the perfect cemetery for taking an autumnal stroll as it is full of the reds, oranges, and golds of its many trees and shrubs. Like I said, I have been there just as the sun is rising over the river and you cannot find a more peaceful place to enjoy a cup of coffee and start your day. Most of the information for today's episode has come from the cemetery's website, elmgrovecemetery.org, where you will find many pictures of its past. However, for more current pictures, you can visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery or find us on Twitter at OrdExtraSim because there are a few pictures there as well. Cool. To find out about the other resources we use for this episode, please visit our website, theordinaryextraordinarycemetery.com, and take a look at our show notes. We are so pleased to continue bringing you cemetery stories each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review and a quick comment on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help others to find us and learn more about cemeteries as well. As always... Until we meet again.